0: Well, for those of you who are wondering, Keith is not here this morning. Can you tell that? We put him on in his airplane yesterday and shipped him off to Florida to speak to some people down there, and we got a call from Mike this morning saying that they'd already sold out of the tapes before he started speaking, so they're expecting a really good meeting down there this weekend, so uh, I'm expecting with him there an hour later, so he should already be in the pulpit going full steam ahead, so... Uh, uh, y'all be believing with him and expecting with him and uh, I've already prayed for him and you just hook your faith with mine and uh, we'll expect for him to have excellent services. He called yesterday though. I just want you to know he called. He says, I'm here. I said, you are? He says, yeah. He said, it's sunshine and about 80 degrees. He said... Um, Wish you were here. I said, yeah, I wish I was there too, you know. But anyway, he's doing really, really good. And um, it, we're expecting he'll be there through Tuesday. And then he'll be coming back home, glory to God. So y'all got stuck with me this morning. So Thank hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. God's good to us, isn't he? We know we can't do it by ourselves anyway. So unless you trust him, you're just in trouble. So. Um, and also, um, I wanted us to uh, remember... Y'all everybody remember Tamarin Brant Barker? Today is their very first service in Anchorage, Alaska. Glory to God so again i've prayed for them this morning we sent them some flowers and things and so uh you guys be expecting with them and stay hooked up with us in agreement that they'll have a good service and if you think about them send them a card and say congratulations on your first service because it never hurts when you're out there by yourself to get a card from somebody that says we're thinking about you we love you even if it's just two sentences you know let them know you're you're thinking about them because um it's tough especially anchorage alaska where you can't see anybody so uh you guys uh, be believing with them. They got some, I guess Eskimos may be up there. No, probably not. It's too cold for me. I know that. I don't want to. I told them they may have to come down here if they want to see us. I'm not going up there. It's too cold. So hallelujah. Well, I got a good message this morning. I went through four before I got this one, but I got one. Glory to God. So if you would turn with me this morning in your Bibles to first Peter. And we'll get right into it. You know, Keith told us um, a few months back that the Lord told him he was growing up this church speedily. Y'all remember that? And that's been on my heart real, real strong. Um, I got a message about grace, and I got a message about standing, and I got a message on healing. And the Lord said, no, it's not those things. It's this, you know. So I, I spent yesterday again, you know, studying about this, and I realized why. Because if God is growing us up quickly, we've got to know how to grow up quickly. Do you understand? You can't just expect to grow up and not even know how, you know. Um, The Lord treats spirituality and thinks of spirituality just exactly like you think about a child. Do you understand what I'm saying? Children are born, they don't know nothing. And it takes the parent to teach them everything. It takes a parent to teach them they don't know how to feed themselves, they don't know how to uh, tie their shoes, they don't know how to read, they don't know how to write, they don't know how to be polite, they don't know how to be respectful, they don't know how to do any of those things except the parents. And you know, you have to go and get a driver's license, but you don't have to go and get a parent's license, you know, and sometimes I wonder about that with the parents in today's society. But good parents train their children up properly. And when you get in, you you can go into situations with kids, and by the time you're in there with them, sometimes for five minutes, you're wishing they were gone. But then there's other kids, you can be around them for a week, and they're just the most enjoyable things. Well, what's the difference in that? The way they were trained. The way their parents brought them up. Some kids, you walk into a room, I've heard Dave and Kim say, they never took anything off the t- coffee table when Ramsey was little. You know, they just taught her. No, you don't grab that off the coffee table. You know, training the child in the way that they're supposed to go. Well, we would be wrong as parents to um, just assume that baby Christians know how to raise themselves up. And it would be wrong of us, say for instance, you go out into a restaurant here in Branson. And you're there eating at a table and um, you start getting flaky, you know. I used to work at Raymond, and some people I think, uh, we got the religious spirits and the nuts out of the woodwork sometime. Because um, we'd get a call and I worked in the admissions office, was over the admissions office and they'd call sometime and they'd say, You've got a nut over here standing in the middle of a table, you know, preaching to everybody. And he said, this is a restaurant. It's not a church, you know. Come get him, you know. And then, then you've got the other side of, of people that are standing on railroad tracks, daring the railroad cars or train to hit them, you know. I mean, flaky, weird. You know what I mean? Flaky, weird. That's weird. If you don't know that's weird, that's weird. To stand on a railroad track and dare a train to hit you, guess what? It's going to hit you. If you stand there, it's going to hit you. You know. I mean, God didn't tell us. It says, "Tempt not the Lord." It doesn't say to tempt Him. You know. So, uh, so it would be a problem. We, as your spiritual leaders, if we didn't train you up in the way that you were to go, and you went out to some restaurant and started, you know, praying in tongues and hocus pocus over some people in a restaurant, and nobody around understood what was going on, and uh, you made yourself look dumb, and you made the church look dumb, and you made everybody that went to church here look dumb, because just one person in here can make every person that attends here look like an idiot. Do You know it? You know, it's like, you know, you, you don't have to be, if you're around a family and they've got six kids and you're with one of the kids and they are raving mad, they're climbing the walls and pulling the curtains down and destroying the table and on the coffee table, kicking everything off and, and in your kitchen drawers, pulling out everything. You you don't want the other five to come. Right? You don't, you don't want the other five there with you. So, um, in praying yesterday about us growing up spiritually and us maturing spiritually, the Lord dealt with me about some things that Brother Hagin taught us so, so many years ago when we were first in the ministry. And so I want to touch on some of that this morning. Are y'all Ready? Y'all believe with me Because again I can't do anything Unless the Lord helps us And you can't receive anything Unless the Lord opens the eyes Of your understanding So that you can see it So let's pray And ask the Lord To help us this morning To lead us in everything That we say And everything that we do So Father We just lift up this service To you this morning And we ask you For your supernatural anointing For the hearers this morning Father That these words Sink deep into their hearts And that your word Will not return void But it will accomplish Those things That it set out to do Father And I just ask you for utterance and anointing father on my words that i say only the words that you would have me to say clear and concise father to co- accomplish the task that you've set before me this morning and we thank you in advance for doing that in jesus name amen um well i was praying just then i don't know about you but i pray and my mind's going in another d- direction sometime the lord said how many of you already can tell a difference in your body this morning stand up you know what there was ten lepers. And only one of them went back and thanked the Lord. I think we ought to thank the Lord this morning for already these people seeing healings and changes in their body. Thank you, Father, for your healing power, for the changes that are happening in these people's body, even as we speak, for your anointing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. That's how you get more from the Lord, is be grateful for what you do have. So, all right, are y'all in 1 Peter 2? Y'all help me this morning, all right? Keith's not here to help me, so y'all help me. 1 Peter 2... Verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Now, that's kind of messy. Let me read it to you again from the Living Bible. Kind of hard to understand. You understand what I'm saying by messy? You know, it's just kind of, King James, sometimes it's difficult for everybody to get clear and concise as they need to. Now that you realize how kind the Lord has been to you, put away all evil and deception Envy and fraud long to grow up into the fullness of your salvation. Cry for this as babies cry for milk. Now, that's pretty good, isn't it? Well, it says, as babies, you know, when, when babies are little, they act a certain way. You know, when little babies are first born, they are they're real teachable. They, they want you to show them how to do everything. You know, they're constantly, show me, show me, show me how to do this, show me how to do that. And they're constantly watching everything that you do. And it doesn't matter if you're doing it right or not. They're going to do what you do. They're very teachable. They're very uh, eager to hear what you have to say. When they're a little bitty, they're, they're paying attention to everything you do and every move that you make, every way that you turn. They're wanting to learn how to do things because they don't know how to do anything. Well, you know, it's the same way with newborn baby Christians. When they come in and a person comes down the aisle and they get saved, well, the first thing that they do is they turn around and look at somebody that they think is spiritual. And they start molding themselves possibly after those people. And they get real teachable. You know, they want to hear everything about the Word. I know when I first got saved... um, Keith, that was the story he tells about him seeking the Holy Ghost, and I got it, and I got saved, and he didn't get it. So remind him of that sometimes because I pick on him about it sometimes, you know. But anyway, babies are very teachable when they're first born again. They want to know everything about the Word, especially the first few days when they get saved. They are hungry. I mean, there's a hunger that rises up in them, and they want to know more about God instantly. Instantly. And they're very teachable. They'll hear anything that you have to say about the things of God. But that also makes them gullible. You ever seen a baby bird in a nest? And it hears something, and all of a sudden it goes. And you could, it's like Brother Hagin used to say, you could take a rock and stick it in its mouth, and it'd swallow it. Because it doesn't know any different. You you, you hear the mother coming and going, and every time she comes and goes, no matter what she puts in their mouths, they just swallow it. They just swallow it. Well, baby Christians are that way. And it's real easy for baby Christians. You'll notice a lot of times, baby Christians will get drawn to the wrong kind of spirit sometime first off. Because they're looking for that supernatural, high, uh, almost, ooh, type stuff. And if you don't watch baby Christians, they'll wind up going down the wrong path. Because they don't have any word in them to help them discern what's good and what's bad. So they're very gullible. They're teachable, but they're gullible. They want to hear what you have to say, but they'll swallow anything you have to say. So that's why it's our job as mature Christians, to make sure that as we see baby Christians, that they get around people that have some word in them. That they don't just hang around somebody that got saved last week because they're not going to help build them up too much. They're going to, if anything happens, a lot of times, you get somebody, two people that got saved last week, and they're fighting the task of staying saved, whether they go to the bar and hang out with their old friends or they go to church. Because they'll hear anything that anybody has to say. They'll begin searching the networks and looking at the TV shows, Christian stuff that they think is Christian stuff, you know. And um, Brother Hagin says sometime, he used to say, I'll have to watch myself. Uh, We'd be sitting there and uh, I'd be there with him or something like that. And he'd turn on some of the the Christian channels and he'd look at me and he'd say, you know what? I'd rather watch a good Western. Because it ain't word. It's just not Word. And baby Christians don't know that, but they think the thing to do is to automatically get hooked in with everything that is spiritual. You know what? All spiritual things are not godly things. There's a lot of spiritual things out there that are not godly. And it takes the mature ones in the church to recognize you see this person hanging with this one, or you see this person hanging with this one, and you know that person is messed up as the day is long. You know, and, and it, but it ha, they have a tendency to draw toward those kind of things because the devil knows if he can get them off now, he's won. Even though they got saved, he didn't win because they got saved, but then if he can get them off almost immediately when they get saved, they're not going to accomplish what God has called them to do. So he's winning again. Whether they got saved or not, you know, there's nothing worse to me than religious spirits. People that think they're religious and don't know no more about the Word than I know about being an astronaut. They don't. They've learned a few catchphrases to say and convinced people that they know a lot about the Word and they hardly know any. Because you start talking to them about things and they have no no word at all in them. You ask them about something from the Word and, and, you know... Like we had, when we first started the church, we had these people that came in and said that they were prophets and prophetesses. And I said, well, what, have you ever read what the Bible says about being a prophet or a prophetess? Oh, no, no, we just know we're called. We're prophets and prophetesses. Well, you know, if you're called to something, you might want to find out about it. You know, if you're called to be a doctor, you probably should learn how to be a doctor. You know, if you're going to be a roofer, you probably should learn how to roof. You know, I used to work for a a chiropractor for about 10 years and he used to tell his people, um, it was funny, funny, funny. They say, how's, how's doc doing today? I said, oh, he's doing good. He's studying on his correspondence course still. He hadn't passed the test yet, you know, but the thing about it is it's funny. But the thing about it is that's the way a lot of Christians are, you know, they want to act like they know that they're here and really, you know, they're still in the babyhood stage, you know. So we're going to cover some things this morning that tells characteristics of different stages. We're going to talk about the babyhood stage. We're going to talk about the childhood stage. And we're going to talk about the manhood stage. And I know everybody's ready for me to get through the manhood stage because that's where we all are. But, but so just... Just do this, promise me now. If I say something that applies to your husband or your wife or your friend that's sitting next to you, don't hit them or don't elbow them so that nobody won't know that they're the mature one, okay? So y'all just smile and look forward and, and we'll all get along. Like I said, babies are teachable. Babies, the baby state, they're teachable. You can teach them a lot of stuff. But they're also gullible. You can teach them a lot of the wrong stuff. When someone first gets saved, they get excited, they get on fire... They're always, you know, asking what? Why? Babies. Have you ever seen a two-year-old? What is their favorite word? Why? Why? They want to know why. They want to know what's going on and why are we doing this? Why are we going to grandma's house? Why are you putting this clothes on me? Why are we going to do this? Why? Why? And you get, ever get tired of answering that question, Why? absolutely as a parent you would get tired of asking that question well you as more mature christians can't get tired of the baby christian asking you every other breath why why do they do that like that at church why do you have to pray why do you have to read your bible why do you have to go to church why you ever have anybody asking you those questions baby christians why why do y'all go to church why do y'all pray in tongues how many of you have ever heard somebody ask them that? Well, what, what does that tell you immediately? They're babies. They may be saved, but they're babies. So that means that you, as the more mature one, should teach them. But don't just give your opinion. Opinions are, are what they cost, free. And um, they're like, you know, worth what they cost. Your opinion doesn't matter anything. The Word says His Word will not return void. didn't say your Word wouldn't. So if you plant Word into them, then they've got something to stand on instead of just, you know, your opinion about something because your opinion doesn't mean anything. So they're teachable and they're gullible. The, the thing that I think about when I think about baby Christians is they, they begin to, along with babies, little kids will watch anything that they can see on TV. If it's exciting, if it's full of life and color, they'll watch it. Well, that's the way Christians are, baby Christians. Baby Christians, to me, are some of the worst about grabbing everybody's book and reading it. Because they want to get spiritual fast. I know when we first started serving the Lord, well, let's see, Keith and I had been married maybe two years and um, he had gotten saved when he was younger. And I started working for another chiropractor before I went to the one that I was telling you about. So I worked for him for a long time. Um, and um, he had a library, a tape library. And it was probably about half of this section here, up and down floor to ceiling. It had Brother Hagen, It had um, Brother Copeland. It had Charles Caps and Jerry Savell and, and just about anybody you could think of that was word and faith coming out. During the early, se- late 70s. Am I keep, re- something in my mic keeps hitting or something? It sounds like it's, is that better? We'll see if that's better. No, it's still doing it. Something's hitting. Anyway, and we got these tapes. And uh, he kept trying and trying to get us to listen to him, And we wouldn't listen to him. So finally one day he said, just take this one tape home with you. And if you don't like it, I'll never say anything to you about it again. And so I took it. I picked which one. He said, just take a single. So I picked which single. And um, when I picked the single, it was Brother Copeland's single. And we knew nothing about Brother Copeland. We'd never seen him, never met him, never heard him, never knew there was a Brother Copeland, never heard you were supposed to listen to tapes or anything like that. So we started listening to Brother Copeland's tapes. And we got that one, and, and I mean, it hit us down in our spirit. And it was like food to a starving person. You know, it's like somebody that had been on a desert island for 20 years, and they got their first Happy Meal. You know, that was good to them, you know. And um, so we started listening to these tapes. We listened to them night and day, night and day, night and day. Well, he said, you know, you've run out of Brother Copeland tapes. Why don't you listen to one of these other guys' tapes, like Brother Hagen or Brother Jerry or Brother Ch- Caps or, or one of these guys? And um, I said, um, he says we're out of his, and I told Keith this. And he said, well, I don't want to listen to anybody else's tapes because I know this bears witness with my heart. And I know I am too immature. Now, that's Wisdom. I am too immature to be able to decipher what is right and what is wrong. And I know this bears witness with my heart. He probably didn't use that terminology, but I know this feels right to me or something like that. And so we wouldn't listen to anybody else's tapes for the longest time, not knowing that Brother Hagan had taught Brother Copeland 98% of what he knew at the time, you know. And so, um, but you, you should be guarded As a baby Christian, you should be very, 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 very careful about what you read, about what you listen to, about what you hear, because the devil is at that point in time in your life trying to convince you to get you on another track instead of the right track. Because he knows if he can get you off now, you are not the detriment to him that you will be if you know about faith. And you know about healing and you know about prosperity. 98% of the people that are born again, immediately the devil's going to send someone to them and say that faith message isn't right. That prosperity stuff is of the devil. That healing stuff, oh, I'd stay away from that. Instantly when people get saved. It's like the devil has a plan and you walk out the church door that morning when you get saved and you're going to run into those people that the devil has set in your path to convince you that these things that you think in your heart are right are wrong. And that's what happens to babies. So if you get a book or you get a tape or you get a TV program and it's not feeding you faith, it's not cheering you up It's not bringing you to a higher level, but it's causing you to question. It's causing you to begin to say, well, I wonder about that. Because the things of God you don't question. You just instantly know in your heart the things of God, they bear witness with your spirit, like he's been teaching us being led by the spirit. It's like a co-witness immediately. Yeah, that's right. You don't question it. But the devil immediately tries to get you into the intellectual plane. He tries to get you to where you are thinking how this can't be right. Because he knows if he can get you there, he's won. Because he is the master of deception. He's the master of lies. So he knows that if he can get you to see somebody else's material when you're young that uh, is counterfeit or is not right or is bad, that he has won a battle with you. Because he's got you questioning him. And you know that's the worst thing that you can do? It's like, okay, Mo is believing that he's healed. And somebody comes up to him and says, Now, Mo, you know, that healing stuff, you know, I don't know about that. My sister went up in one of those healing lines one time, and she went away, and, and it wasn't three days. The cancer eat her body alive. And they prayed for her. I know they did. And she has faith. I know she has faith. Well, she may have faith in God, but she didn't have faith in healing. There's a difference in having faith in God is is that he can heal and you having faith in God that he took stripes upon Jesus' back, put stripes upon his back so that you personally could be healed. There's a big difference in that. And so that's what happens. You hear that person say, I know they had faith. I know they did. And they died. Well, I know that healing stuff, it don't work. So you might as well give up on it, Mo. Do you think that's God? Is it ministering anything to his spirit? It's ministering to his head. So he walks away and he says, well, you know what? Now that I think about it, I had an aunt and somebody prayed for her and she died. And you know what? I heard about this friend of mine at work that he went to that big meeting and they were having a healing service. And you know, they prayed for them and they died. And you know what? That baby was born with all that stuff. And I know God, if he was a good God, he'd heal a baby for sure. But he didn't. So that healing stuff, it just don't work. Instantly, he's in the natural thinking realm. He's no longer in the faith realm. Because if you're in the faith realm, you're checking here. You're not checking here. And there's a big difference in being led by the Spirit on these things. When uh, instantly, if you go to your mind instead of your heart, you've messed up. You'll miss it every time. Because God's not a mind, he's a spirit. And so he will witness to your spirit. So, as you're reading these books, and you know what? It's like there was a movie a long, long time ago. I forget what it was called, and I don't know why I'm thinking about it now, but it just came up in my heart. There was this man that had a daughter that went crazy. So he took her to this child psychologist that had these books, all these books written out and all these things. And uh, he had his picture on the back of the book and said he had all these degrees behind his name and uh, took her to that child psychologist and she just went worse. It, it, he told her to do all these things, told him to do all these things and he was doing all these things. And because he supposedly had all these initials behind his name, this guy was just buying it, hook, line and sinker. And so finally it came up in the show, well, the guy didn't even have any kids of his own. Never been to school. It was things he'd just uh, been mail in. You know, you can mail in. Uh, my daddy's going to get mad at me this morning. But when we first got to church, he told Keith he's going to send off. He'd seen where he could get his preacher's license in the mail. So he's going to send off. So in case Keith missed one morning, he'd come up here and preach for him. <laughs> and then he came in here and he stood up on the platform before we got the church done. He said, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> I think I changed my mind. So he was going to send off and get his preacher's license, you know. Well, you know, it's more than just a license. There's got to be some anointing behind what you're doing. And I don't care what profession that you are in or what your job task is, you're either anointed to do it or you're not. I mean, I don't care if you shovel ditches. You can be anointed to shovel ditches, you know. And if you're in a position that you're not anointed to do it, you better be finding where God's graced you to do it because uh, you'll fall on your face. So my point in all that part is the gullible part. Us as... as more mature Christians should watch out for baby Christians. Don't just hand them anybody's book or tape that you've not listened to and that you don't know is anointed or ordained of God, not of man. You know, uh, it would be real wrong for me to go out and get somebody a tape that I'd not listened to and hand it to them and say, you know, I heard this tape was real good, you know, but I've not listened to it. You know, And you, as the more mature one, should be ready to explain to them anything that they listen to on that tape that you just gave them. And if you can't, then you probably should study it yourself, you know, before you give it to them. But if you get a book and you start reading it, and it starts pulling on you and pulling you down instead of building you up, throw it away. Get it out of your house. Burn it. Anybody can write a book. Anybody, about any subject that they want to write about, about child rearing, about depression, about, like I said about that little boy this morning, Uh, the teachers told him he had whatever that, I don't even like to remember the names of those kind of things because they just annoy me. Because I just think a lot of times it's teachers not wanting to deal with the kids and don't know how to deal with them, so they want them to be like this so they don't have to deal with them, you know. So um, it's a pet peeve. I don't get on my soapbox here. Um, But anyway, we prayed for that little boy. And, I mean, this guy that told him that had all kind of degrees behind his name. don't matter what kind of degrees you have. It matters what the anointing says and what the Word says. And people like that that are babies don't know the difference between deciphering. It's like, it's almost like a doctor's Word is God. And if a doctor says it, well, the doctor said it. The doctor said it. Well, that doesn't mean a thing. God said something too. And what he says should so far outweigh than anything. How many doctors have made mistakes? How many doctors you go get a second opinion, and it's nothing like what they said it was, or it's, it's a totally different thing. How many doctors have cut off the wrong foot, or the wrong leg, or the wrong hand? They're just human. They're not God. So if, if they told you something that's wrong with your body, compare it with the word. Get get books that build you up, not tear you down. Do not read. Do not be like some people. They'll read books that they say counteract, you know, because they want to know how the other side believes so that they can fight for the right side. That's dumb. It's like, you know, people that, that are really good at telling counterfeit bills... They don't study the counterfeit. They've never seen them all. What they study is they study the real bill. And they know it forward and backwards and inside and out. And they can tell you what it smells like, what it feels like, what it weighs, what it, you know, every little groove and crevice on it. You don't have to study the negative to know the best. You don't have to study those books, cult books about uh, not healing or, or witchcraft or to be able to teach your kids to stay against witchcraft. That's dumb. That's opening your heart up to those things and giving that devil a place to get in and, and feed you that stuff and bring it back to you. I know. I can, I can turn the TV on and I won't watch something five minutes. I'll change the channel. Because no matter what you think, that plants thoughts in your head and your heart and your mind. And you do have to deal with it later whether you want to or not. I don't care whether it's a Christian program or some secular program. Do not. Let things get into your hearts. Don't let, be like those little birds and just open your mouth and let anything that anybody brings past you dump into your heart. Because then you have to get it out. Then you have to come back and start what, start taking baby steps again and um, start going in the right direction again. Another thing about babies is they're very, very touchy and they're very, very selfish. Have you ever seen that? Little babies, they have a toy. You know, I'll go back here in the children's classes and I'll watch them sometime. And uh, unless they're trained, a lot of them are selfish. Because that's the nature of the flesh. It's like, no, that's my toy. And they take it back. No, that's my gun. And they take it back. They're very, very touchy and they wear their feelings on their sleeve. You say something to them and they'll just cry at the drop of a hat. I mean, then, then five seconds later they're laughing. You know, but they're very 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 selfish they don't everything is about them they want to eat when they want to eat they don't want to sleep when they don't want to sleep they want to go where they want to go they want to do what they want to do they are very 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 selfish i mean take a three-year-old does he care whether or not you have to be at work on time does he care All he's thinking about is he wants to play with his toys and why are you making him leave or why are you making him get up is the first thing. You know, he don't care whether you're late for work. He just cares whether or not he gets to do what he wants to do. And then when he don't get to do it, what happens? (laughs) I don't want to do that. All the time. Very, very selfish. I want to eat. I don't want to eat this. I used to have a friend... That I worked with. She had a four-year-old little boy. If I'd have had that little boy, I'd have probably rang him up by his toenails and turned him inside out. And he got up one morning. He was four years old. He was going to preschool. And she put on this little black t-shirt on him that she liked and he didn't. And he went in the bathroom and took the scissors and cut it to shreds. Four years old. Now, that's not training up a child in the way he should go. That's being ignorant. Because if you let your four-year-old win, guess what? When he's 16 and he's bigger than you... It's too late. He still wins. You know, what you've got to do is you've got to stop things in their tracks when they're that age. I had another friend, they may even be here this morning, um, from Tulsa, and uh, it was so funny. We were talking to him one day, and he had a little three-year-old, and uh, he told him, now I want you to go in there, and I want you to pick up your toys in your room, and the, the little boy didn't do it, and so he went in there, and he spanked him. And the little boy stomped his feet and threw his toys in the toy box, you know, and uh, crawled up on the bed and started wailing and everything else. And, and uh, Daddy says, no, that won't get it. So he spanked him again. So he picked up his toys. He said, now put the toys right in the box. So he went over there and he took the toys and he was crammed them in there. You could tell nothing had changed in his heart. His heart was still exactly the same way. So he kept throwing the toys in the box, so he spanked him again. He said that went on all night long. I think he was two and a half or three years old at the time. He said, all night long that went on. He said, I would try and he would resist. And I would try and he would resist. And he said, the Lord told him, if he didn't break it that night, he'd have to break it when he was 18 and it would be almost impossible. So he kept on and he kept on and he kept on. And he said, I cried, he cried. But by the next morning, I have not had to spank him since. But that same child was here a few weeks ago. And he is um, 17, I think, maybe 18, has a job, bought himself a a new Corvette. Serving the Lord. Sent us a letter last week with his paycheck saying he wanted to give to us. Now, that's a 17 or 18-year-old. Now, what would have happened had he not have, when he was 2 or 3 years old, broken that rebellion from him, changed his life then, instead of waiting till he was here because he's already bigger than his daddy. If he'd have waited till he was then, it would have been almost impossible. Well, his little girl comes up after him. He washes his truck. He says, now, I just washed the truck. We got some people coming to town. I do not want you guys putting your hands on the windows. The little girl's probably two or three. Same type scenario. The little girl gets in the truck. I kid you not, if this is not kids, I don't know what it is. The little girl gets in the truck. She sits in the front seat with her seatbelt on. She gets up on her knees and licks the window with her tongue. Now, she didn't touch it with her hands. She licked it with her tongue. Now, that's kids, right? Right? That sounds just exactly like what kids will do. They're selfish and they're touchy. Well, he broke the same thing in her. They're both wonderful kids today. Not rebellious and having to wonder where they are half the night. But how does that apply to babies in the church? Don't hit nobody. (laughs) Do they care whether you have to be someplace? They got a problem, they got a problem, they want you to fix it now. They don't care what else is going on. They don't bother to ask, well, you know, you got you got time to deal with this? You got, you know, no, 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 no. Their problem is the most important problem in the whole wide world. Nobody else has any more problems than they do, and they want you to fix them for them then. They don't want to do anything to fix it. They want you to fix it for them then. Does that sound like a kid? They spill their cereal, they just fuss, and you have to clean it up, right? So how does that apply to the childhood state of baby Christians? What if leaders let the babies get by with things in the church? What if the leaders let the babies get by with backbiting or talking or... What if the leaders let the babies get by with being mean to somebody else in the church? What if the leaders tell the people, do this, and they lick it with their tongue? Because it's the technical, that's not what they said. What if leaders in the church wait till somebody is um, way more mature which they will never be. That's the difference between uh, baby Christians and baby kids. If you don't grow up spiritually, you will never grow up spiritually. If you don't change things, you will never grow up spiritually. You know, there's, there's people that have been saved 60, 70 years and are still babies. It's not like with childhood. Even, it's exactly the same in some ways. Some babies that are 50 years old... Are still babies today. They still have to have their way. You know, they never grow up. Everybody at school is um, wrong, and they're right. I mean, there's some kids that go to school, and no teacher is good enough for them. The teacher's always the one in the wrong. The child is never... I tell you what, when I went to school, if I did something wrong, I got one whipping at school, one from my mama, and one from my daddy when I got home. And it was no question about it. It was not going to be anything to discuss. If you did it, you did it. You fess up to it, and you go and apologize to them for doing it. I mean, it's not okay to spiritually be the kind of person that you can constantly be saying, Everybody else is wrong, and you're right. Nobody, you can't get along with anybody. It's like, say say, uh, Miss Jean's in here with the cleaning team. And she's got a bunch of people cleaning for her. And uh, everybody else is getting along just great. Everybody's just doing great. But then you get one in here and amongst them, and all of a sudden, nobody's doing anything right. And they start talking to this one, and you know what? Miss Jean's not doing that right. If, she would, if she'd just do this, then, then this would be a lot easier. Or if she'd get us this, then this would be a lot easier. And, you know, why did they pick her to be over this? Why did, why did they choose them? What did they do? You know, that's the kind of things babies do. You ever been at school with kids? They're constantly trying to um, find fault with the other person so they can be better buds with the other person. And I'm getting ahead of myself on my next point, but um, they're... They're never satisfied, babies are never satisfied unless you're taking care of them. No matter what else you've got to do, it doesn't matter if you've got to cook, if you've got to clean, if you've got to do whatever you have to do, a baby is never satisfied, unless they're trained properly, that you're paying attention to them 24-7. Some kids wouldn't know how to play by themselves. If you put them in a room, they'd go spastic. That's the way some adults are. Some adults can't play with other people. It's got to be their way or no way. Some adults can't work together. You can say, okay, I want you ten guys to get over here and do this. Everybody's got their own idea and nobody submits to nobody. Everybody's got their own idea of how it needs to be done. Well, that's the way kids are. They can't play together sometimes. That's because they're, they're um, touchy, they're... They wear their feelings on their sleeve. A kid will cry at the drop of a hat. And you know what? You're, you're checking to see if they're awake or... I mean, if they're... Um, I, I'm seeing two people with their eyes closed and so awake crossed my mind. Um, they're sleeping. Um, they are actually sleeping right now. Uh, so is it that boring? <laughs> we'll change. We'll find something else to talk about. So, um, anyway, they're touchy and they're selfish. They, they have to have things done their way, their time, their time frame, or you just don't get you, you done. Some kids, unless you get them exactly the way they want to be dressed, you're not going to work. You know, so they don't care about you. They're just touchy and selfish. Now, um, again, that that would apply to marriages. That would apply to uh, work relationships. That would apply to everything. And not just kids. It applies to baby Christians. So don't look at anybody. But if you've had those symptoms in your life as being touchy or selfish, uh, we know by being around you for five minutes that what stage of development are you in spiritually. If nobody can do anything to please you and everything they tell you, you you take and you start crying and you can't take any kind of correction, what state of spiritualhood, Christianhood does that put you in? So it doesn't take real long. People wonder why. Okay, why did you choose this person to do this? And why did you choose this person to do this? Well, it's real simple. I give them another task to do with somebody else and by the time the whole thing's over, everybody's fighting with each other. Well, that don't make it real easy for me to want to put them because I know immediately what stage they're at. They're at the babyhood stage. No matter how long they've been saved, no matter how much word they've read, they are still at the babyhood stage. And it doesn't make you want to give them more responsibility. What does it do? Makes you want to give them less. Makes you want to take stuff away from them. I mean, unless they can be there when they want to be there. They're always the exception. They can never be there on time. Their work is more important than everybody else's work in the church. They can never go visit anybody in the hospital because God didn't lead me to do it. That tells me, baby, what does it mean? If you're supposed to be submitted to somebody and you're supposed to be helping them and doing what they're wanting to do, you should really find out what they want done. It's like a wife, you know. I, I, I've had women, you know, they've told me, I am the world's best wife. I fix everything the way my husband wants it. I have his shoes in his closet, just the ones that match the black suit are underneath it. The socks are in the shoes. The shirt is right there with it, rubber band together. Um, the food is alphabetically put in the freezer in containers, color-coded with the tops, so that they know if they have to be microwaved, if they have to be put in the oven. Um, I'm telling you what, she's convinced she was the perfect wife. Well, they're divorced today. Well, what makes a woman the perfect wife? She might want to find out what her husband wants and ask him if she's the perfect wife. Same thing with a, with a husband, you know. What makes you the perfect husband? Well, you might want to find out some things from your wife. Well, it's the same way with babyhood Christians. They always have to have things done their way. They're never willing to give in to anybody else. They're never willing to change anything to help anybody else. If it's not their way and the way that they think they have heard from God, then it's not good enough. And so when you're around people like that, it doesn't matter if they've been saved for 75 years. Where do you peg them? Y'all got quiet. Y'all, if you say it loud, people won't know you're talking about yourself. It's like babyhood, you know? Yeah, they're just a big baby, you know? I've been there. There's certain things in your life that you just, you know, you don't understand. Why do I have to do that today, darling? Why do I have to go counsel with that person all day long? It's not my problems. They're the one that got themselves in a mess. Why do I have to deal with it? I was enjoying my day off. Why do I have to go fix their mess that God's been dealing with them about 10 years to change? And here they are. They're getting kicked out of their apartment today. They're getting kicked out of their house today. Why do I have to fix it for them? But we do. Whether or not. But what does it tell you instantly about them? They're babies. Because they have to be taken care of now. And they want you to fix it for them. It's like people are believing God for something. And it doesn't come when they want it. So they come put pressure on you. What does a baby do? They don't get a toy that they want for Christmas. They pitch a fit. You can give them. Have you ever seen kids, you can give them every toy under the sun, and they get finished at the Christmas tree, and they're still complaining because they didn't get something? I'd take every one of their gifts back. You know, well, that's the way, you know, uh, some uh, baby Christians are. They call themselves believing God for something. But when God doesn't come through for them, well, they're going to start putting pressure on some people. And most likely it's going to be us. Give us the money now. You know, pay our light bill today or we're going to be without electricity. Pay our phone bill today. And they've got a $550 phone bill that they've been calling everybody in the country long distance. And we're supposed to pay it for them. You know, so that's the way babies are. They're always looking to somebody else to fix their problems for them. They're unwilling to fix their problems themselves, unwilling to seek God for themselves. They want mama and daddy to fix everything for them. They don't want to pray. They don't want to hear from God. They don't want to do anything. They just want to be selfish and get you to straighten out their mess for them today that they've been building on for 60 years. So none of us in here are babies, Right? right none of us are babies you know so when you see that you just pray for people and you say you know what lord help them grow up and if you think some of these things apply to you don't tell anybody just change them you know just fix them so that's the babyhood everybody got it they're teachable they want to hear everything that everybody has to say about spiritual things they're gullible open wide fill it rocks or whatever and then they're touchy and selfish They want things done their way now how they want it done. They don't care if it's convenient for you or not convenient for you or you've got the money or you don't have the money or if it's 3 o'clock in the morning or if you've been up for 3 days or not. They want you to fix it for them now. Babies cry in the middle of the night time. What does mama have to do? Get up. What does daddy have to do? Hit mama. (laughs) Right? No, I'm just kidding. Some daddies get up. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. As long as you are sensitive and easily hurt, you will stay a baby in Christ forever. You will not grow up. No matter how many chapters you read in your Bible, it'll help you to grow up. But you have to do the Word. You can't just hear the Word. You have to do the Word. Okay, so the second one is childhood. Turn to Ephesians. Because the Lord told us we were growing up speedily. Is that correct? So in order to grow up speedily, what do you do with your kids? Everybody wants their kid to walk sooner than everybody else's kid, right? They're constantly holding them up and and their little legs are shaking, you know, and they're wobbling. Look, they walk. They walk. They didn't move at all. Look, they walk. They walk. You know? Well, if the Lord is wanting us to grow up spiritually, speedily, then we got to know what the things are that make us come out of the babyhood stage into the childhood stage, into the manhood stage. So we've learned about the babyhood stage. There's not anybody in here that's in the babyhood stage because we've changed it just now, right? I mean, you can change that quick. So nobody in here. So we're all going to be growing up today. We're going to take these step, big steps, okay? So um, childhood, Ephesians 4, verse 14 and 15. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive but speak the truth in love may grow up into all in him in all things which he is the head even Christ. Now let's read the living Bible on it too because it makes it a little clearer. Then we will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Does that sound like a child? That they could be gullible to believe that? Then we will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth does that sound like something a child would do i mean you go to school and they tell they tell a lie okay say um um somebody likes the same boyfriend or something like that some kids you know and and uh, they'll go to that boy that other girl and tell the, something that's not true about her to get them to break up They'll say, you know what she did? I saw her with this other guy. I saw her. They were doing this and they were doing that. And they were holding hands. And I saw them kissing. Does that sound like kids? Because she wants that guy. Sounds just like kids. Or go home and, and, um, and I saw the other day. I thought, uh, be more mature parents than that. I think parents ought to be so full of the word in order to raise their children properly, to know when they're telling a lie or telling the truth, it's almost impossible to raise a child without having the Spirit to me. You know, I mean, we don't have any, but I've been around enough of them. Like the other day, we were at the airport with some people. And uh, these three little kids were playing and playing, and I was watching the whole thing. And the one little girl pushed the other little girl down on the rock. Then when she got up, she tripped her again, and she fell down again. And so the one little girl comes running to her mother, and she says... Mama, she tripped me. I didn't do nothing to her, and she tripped me. Well, the other little girl says, I didn't. It was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. And so the mother of the one that actually was lying looked at the other little girl, and she says, oh, you'll be all right. She didn't mean to do it and believed her and told the other little girl to grow up instead of getting a a hand to the back of her rear side and said, you don't lie ever under any circumstance. Well, how do you know that as a parent you got to know by the spirit i could i mean i saw it but i knew in my heart the whole time that kid is lying out of her teeth and so what happens when she gets to school well the parent is going to think that all the teachers are wrong and and they're just picking on her kid and because she will not look at the truth about her kid it's hard I, i'm sure to see that your child could ever do anything wrong. I know I was an angel. I never did anything wrong. No siree, never. And, um, and my mom and daddy will just testify to that and just tell you. And um, kids are very, 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 very impressionable. They believe what this one said. They believe what that one said. If this is the going thing and it'll get you into the higher click, then I tell you what, they're going to believe it, you know. They'll turn on their best friend if they think the more popular people will like them. You ever seen that in school? How many of you were not in the popular group at school? Until I changed schools, then I got in the popular group. No, I, was, I pretty much was in most of the popular groups. Um, But anyway, it's real difficult for kids. I wasn't when I was in elementary school, but then we moved. And when I got in high school, for some reason or another, I was in the popular group. But all through elementary school, it was like, you're evil because you're not in the popular group. And everybody was constantly telling things about the other person to make them look bad so that they could, if they could get to one of the people in the popular group, and they could say, you know what they did? You know, they did this, they did that. Because they're trying to win you so that they can get in your group. They'll tell you anything. They'll tell you it's black when it's white. They'll tell you they paid $5 when they paid 5000 Because they want to be in the popular group. That's kids. Kids will do it in a heartbeat. They're very, very impressionable. They'll change sides just like night and day. Because they want to hang with the right crowd. And they'll do dumb stuff like, you know, some of the things kids and boys will do. They'll drive fast. They'll race. They'll do things that they know they shouldn't do. Be impressionable to things. They know they shouldn't be out there racing or walking on that edge of that cliff or, or, you know, taking drugs or drinking just to fit in. I mean, peer pressure among kids is absolutely probably the worst thing that kids go through. It's terrible. I mean, you have to smoke this joint in order to be with our group. And all this hazing stuff and all this stuff that's going on. It's terrible. How does that apply to spiritual children? Do you think somebody would come and tell me something about you so that they could get closer to me? In a heartbeat. But you know what I do with that kind of stuff? The person that comes and tells me I have way less respect for them than I do the other person. Because, I mean, if we had it happen once, we had it happen 10,000 times. People wanted to be Keith and I were friends because we were with mom and dad night and day. They wanted to tell us something about somebody else that they said something about dad or they said something about mom or they did this or they did that so that they could be your friend so that they could get closer to mom and dad. And they will use you and chew you up and spit you out and stab you in the back. That's the way kids are. That's the way spiritual kids are too. So we know if, say... Shirley comes here and she tells Dave, do you know what Nancy did? Do you know how rude she was to me? Do you know how mean she was to me? I tell you what, I would never put up with that kind of stuff. Well, instantly it makes me wonder, which Shirley would never do, because she's so sweet and precious, but um, Dave would come to me and he'll say, they're messed up. That's about all he'd say, they're messed up. And that'd probably be the end of the conversation, because we won't talk about it. Because, there's, because gossip is, is worthless. And you know what? If she'll talk to him about her, she'll talk to her about him. And that's the way kids are. They're your friend to your face when they're at your slumber party. But the next day at school, they're going to be somebody else's friend. And that's the way spiritual children are. They're always looking for the higher rank, the higher position, the higher place. They're always looking. God says he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You tell me what? There's people in this church right now that God has been dealing with me about. They have never, ever, ever, that since we've had the church, complained about anything. They've never whined. They've never done anything. Except for serve. You never hear anything out of them. The only thing that you hear is that their job is done that you asked them to do. What does that make a leader want to do? Makes them want to elevate them. God's the same way, He is exactly the same way. Kids are that way. You know, your child, okay? You've got kids and you tell them, clean up your room and do your homework and make good grades at school, and they're just doing it. You never have any troubles out of them. What happens at graduation time? You're saving every dime that you can get your hands on to buy them a car for graduation. You're doing everything that you can do to bless them because they don't give you any trouble. You don't look for the child that's been giving you trouble for the last 10 years and say, here, I want to bless you with this car. You've been such a rebellious child you've always had to have your way i just love that about you i'm gonna give you this car well no you you might do it because you love them because you're their parent but it ain't because of what they did for sure so um when when kids are are that way they're real unsteady they go up and down like a yo-yo one day they're happy one day they're sad one day they're depressed i mean look at teenagers I mean, you talk about a yo yo. If their boyfriend likes them and they got a new outfit to wear, you talk about they are happy. You know? But if they broke up with their boyfriend and their hair is not doing right and they got a pimple that day, (laughs) it's over. The whole world, I want to die. I want to kill myself. I'm not making this up. You know it's true. We've all been teens. I've been there. I, can, I may not have a teen, but I was a teen. And I know what teens do. You're happy if your boyfriend likes you and he sends you flowers. But if you don't and things are not going good, then you're depressed and you just want to lay in the bed and whine. Nobody likes me. Nobody won't do nothing for me and nobody likes me. Well, how does that fit into spiritual babies? If everything's going good for them today, and they got a chunk, they're happy. They are cheerful. Yay! They want to be around you. You want to be around them. But don't let that light bill be past you. Don't let that car payment be past you. They're ready to commit suicide. The word doesn't work anymore. just doesn't work anymore. It worked yesterday because I got the chunk, but... This week the light bill's due. I didn't get a chunk. God's not faithful. Doesn't work anymore. God didn't come through for me. So therefore, he's not faithful. So therefore, I'm depressed and I'm going to commit suicide. But tomorrow the chunk comes. And they're telling everybody at church about their chunk. And how God blessed them and how good he is. So they're happy. But the baby got sick. And daddy lost his job. And my mother-in-law moved in. (laughs) You won't get a smile out of them for a month. What if I were that way? What if I... My staff can tell you, answer, I wish I had a count sometime. I wish I had a count of how many questions I answered in one day. Like Karen called me one day and she said, uh, I got some questions for you. I've only got 47. And I said, Karen, multiply that by 20 people. Then the church people. Then Nancy calls and she says, oh, I got all these questions. I got all these things. So what if I, I said, oh, Lord. We got a chunk today. Things are going good. All the light bills are paid, you know. The car payments are paid. The house is paid. All the people in the church are healthy. Nobody's in the hospital. I am happy. Yes, sir. I know sometimes on Sunday afternoon or on Saturday, Dave and I and Nancy will agree. Nobody calls tomorrow. Nobody goes in the hospital. We need a day off. Come on. Come on, God. You can do it. You can do it. Give us a day off, you know. But doesn't usually doesn't happen that way. Somebody is usually, you know, having to deal with something, and so uh, we're there for them. But what if I, every time I had to deal with a situation that didn't look like it was going to work out? Didn't look like God was going to come through for me? Didn't look like they were going to get healed. They died, as a matter of fact. What if church payment was late? Never will be. But what if it was? And I got up here to tell the testimonies, you know. And I got up here and I said, glory to God, we got some testimonies here this morning. But I'm not God's favorite anymore. (laughs) Because such and such died. And I didn't have the answer for them. And such and such, they repossessed their car. And I didn't know what to do. And such and such is 96-year-old grandmother went home to be with the Lord. And Karen and Jan got in a big fight. And they kicked each other out of the house. And Kate's boyfriend broke up with her. And I came in here and I was just so sad when I made the announcements and the testimonies. I said, this person got a $50 chunk, but what does that matter? They didn't get any. Never smile. This person got a $21,000 chunk, but Dave just lost his car. So God's not faithful. What if Sharon just got healed of cancer? But so what? Mr. Stanley, he's dying. So what difference does it make? God's unfaithful. What if I was like that? Exactly. This guy says, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) Don't kid yourself. Keith and I have trials just exactly like you have trials. They may not be our own trials, personally, but every trial that every person has in this church, we have to deal with. And we have to hear from God about, do we pay their bills when they ain't been working in two years? How do you feel about that as a church? Somebody calls the office. This is a good time for me to ask this. Keith will probably say, you probably shouldn't have done that, but no. Well do it anyway. He's not here, and then I'll tell him about it. No, he, he wouldn't care. Um, and And you... You work 60 hours a week, every week, blood, sweat, you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, you drive an hour and a half to work, you put in your work wake, you pay your taxes, you pay your Medicare, you pay all your bills, and somebody ain't worked for two years and they come to the church and they say, I'm about to get kicked out of my apartment, pay my bills for me so I don't get kicked out on the street. How do you feel as a church member, uh, us doing that with your money? Well, but you're supposed to love the people that are without. You're supposed to help those people. You're supposed to help them. But the Bible also says if you don't work, you don't eat. And whatever you put your hand to will prosper. It aggravates the pudding out of me that I work 80 and 90 hours a week sometime and somebody come in here and refuses to hold down a job and brings me their light bill. I think, yeah. I was up till 3 this morning working, and, and where were you? Sitting there watching TV, eating potato chips? You know? I told you you didn't want to counsel with me. I told you that from the very beginning. <laughs> I warned you. That's why I don't do it. I, I have a real good buffer. I have Nancy here, and uh, she loves on them like they're her best friend. But that don't mean I'm going to pay their bills for them. There's one thing you better know as a church member. If you come here to me to pay a bill for you, you either got a job or you're looking for one hard as you can. Now, I understand there's extenuating circumstances. And I understand that you can have a job and somebody not have the money to pay you. Or you can have a job and you can get hurt and you rack up some medical bills. Those are different circumstances. But I'm talking about the person that just refuses to... Like I had an employee one time. I was going to hire this girl. She had all the qualifications in the world. But she said, I have one problem. I said, what's that? She said, at my last job, I was late a couple of times. I said, oh, really? And she said, yeah, just a couple of times. And I said, "Um, so um, what did they do? She said, well, they fired me. I said, how late were you? Oh, just 10, 15 minutes late, a couple of times over several years. And so I called her boss and they said, well, yeah, she's worked here about a year and a half. She was late several times, two o'clock in the afternoon when she's supposed to be there at (laughs) eight, 11 o'clock in the morning. I said, well, When she came back in, I said, well, what's this with 2 o'clock in the afternoon? I just can't get up in the mornings. I have a spirit of slumber. And I can't get up in the mornings. Can you cast it out of me? My mama's prayed for me. My pastor's prayed for me. But I just have that spirit of slumber. Anybody want to tell me what they should do? Go to bed at night, number one. And set the alarm clock and put that flesh under and get up out of that bed. It'd be real easy for me sometime. The phone rings. My phone rings and, you know, Nancy's calling 3 o'clock in the morning. Such and such is at the hospital. Okay, bye. (laughs) I'm sleeping right now. You know, such and such is hurting. What do you want me to do? It'd be real easy just to be carnal and fleshy and say, you know what, I'm tired. I've been working all week long. I've dealt with this and I've dealt with this and I've dealt with this. Let them figure out their own problems. But you can't be a yo-yo. If you're going to be a mature Christian, you cannot be a yo-yo. That today God's good and tomorrow he's okay and the next day he's lousy because your light bills do you. You've got to be consistent. I mean, we deal with stuff, but how often do I get up here and make testimonies and announcements and I'm not smiling and my head's hung down and I'm depressed. and Absolutely, never, not, not going to happen. Never will it ever happen. Because you didn't come here to see me depressed. You got problems enough of your own. You need to somebody, see somebody that's victorious and knows how to overcome it. Well, guess what? It shouldn't just be us. You are Christians. And people are not here or come to church or see you in a restaurant or see you on the job and they see you one day, you're up and you're cheerful and you're smiling, and the next day you're more depressed than they are a sinner. Doesn't work that way. What stage is a person at when they're up and down like a yo-yo? So if you see somebody that's yo-yoing, and what do you say? They're a child. They're, don't hit nobody. I see some of that. Don't don't do that. <laughs> if they're if they're one day happy, one day sad, you flip a coin in the morning. Keith is never sad i don't know when i have i have been with him since we've been 14 years old i ain't never seen him sad never ever never ever ever and i guarantee you we've had as much or more trials and tests than anybody in this room and i ain't never seen him sad never depressed never gives into depression never gives it's just not okay Never, 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 like he says. What does he say? Ever, never, ever, never, never, ever. Never, ever, never, 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 ever, ever, never. Feel sorry for yourself. Ever, never, never, ever, never. So, okay. They're unsteady, they're unreliable, and they're impressionable. Unsteady up and down like a yo-yo. Unreliable. You ask a child to do something for you. Can you 100% count that it's done? You ask a child. You say, now, little Johnny, he's 12 years old, 10 years old. You say, little Johnny, take out the trash tonight. It's your job, take out the trash. Well, you smell something the next day. Whew, what's that? I know Johnny took out the trash because I told him to, and he always does what I tell him to do. Always. Always, always. But you look under the counter, and there's the trash. Kids always do what they're told, right? You tell a child to do something, and you can count on it, like you can count on spelling your name, that it's done. You tell them to clean up your room. You tell them to be home from a date at a certain time. How many parents have ever set up late? I never did this to mine. Never, 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 never. So um, (laughs) you tell them to be home at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. They're always on time, aren't they? they're not you tell them be there at a certain you have to be at, at this place at a certain time i'm gonna pick you up there be at that door at that time because i'm gonna pick you up there are they always there they got busy talking to their friends and wasn't paying attention and you had to get out of the car and you're late you've got an appointment you have to go in the school you have to hunt them down bring them out come on we gotta go Kids always do exactly what they're asked to do. I know our children's workers would be just thrilled (laughs) if kids always did exactly what they were asked to do. Don't throw that, they'll say, and there it goes, you know. You ever tell a kid, don't play with that ball in the house? How many kids play with the ball in the house? They're going to do it. They're going to try it. You're going to turn your head, and there's going to be the broken vase because how did that base get broken? I don't know. I don't know. The ball's hid now. But you know, they were playing with a ball in the house. What about spiritual kids? Y'all got quiet. Be at church an hour ahead of time. Be ready for that meeting. Oh, everybody is there because they're kids. Everybody's there when they need to be there. Go check on this person at the hospital. Oh, it's done with bells on. Um, Always do this. Oh, you can count on it. You never have to repeat it twice. Because they're kids. They got it the first time. Karen, yesterday had a situation, and she said, I told him already. And I said, yeah, and I told you some things already too. I said, guess what? Tell him again. That's the way kids are. You keep on it. You shouldn't have to. God's not that way. He won't continue doing that way. He'll tell you to do something, and you don't do it, and you just won't get promoted. You just won't go to the next level. But we as parents... With kids, we ask them to do something, and they don't do it. What should we do if they don't do it? Johnny didn't take out the trash. You smell it. So what should you do? You should take out the trash for him. He'll get it next time. You should clean up his room for him because he's just a kid. You should do his homework for him because really he's got a lot going. He's got soccer practice and he's got softball and he's got music practice. And so his life is so, so busy that um, he doesn't have time to do his homework. So you should just do it for him. What kind of example is that setting for that child? If you do it for them. They will be forever your child. Forever your child. They will be a 62-year-old child. And expecting everybody else to do things for them always. What should we do as leaders in the church? We ask somebody to do something. And you check on it and it's not done. Imagine that. That would never happen. What does that tell me immediately? They're children. You can't depend on them yet. They're children. They're undependable children. So nobody in here is at that child stage, right? Everybody's at the manhood stage, right? All right. So they're unsteady, they're unreliable, and they're impressionable. Another thing about kids is they're curious. It's 12 o'clock, and i got two more points, so y'all are just going to have to hang with me. I'll pull a Keith on y'all this morning. We had a healing line. which set us back just a little bit. Kids are curious. You ever put a bag on the table? What happens to it? They don't know what's in it. What about Christmas? What if you left their Christmas presents underneath the tree for about a month? Every one of them would be open. They'd know everything that was in them. Another word for curious is what? Thank you, I didn't want to say it. nosy kids are flat nosy they have to know everything about everything that's going on they come and ask you questions and you can't tell them the answer because you don't want them to know but they want to know what's going on well that's how spiritual kids are they are nosy about everybody's business and hadn't got their own straightened out yet they want to know everything about everything but they hadn't got their own straightened out yet they're nosy And so when somebody comes and asks me a question, my staff or some of my people will tell you somebody asked me something and they ask me, well, how much did that cost? And I look them square in the eye and say, I didn't say. I know, but how much did it cost? I didn't say. Well, you know, round, round, somewhere around in what, what did it cost? I didn't say. People are just flat nosy. They want to know what you paid for that top, what you paid for that car, how much you paid for your house. Why do they want to know it? It can only be two or three reasons. They want to think they're better than you. They want to compare with you. Or they want to put somebody else down. Oh. There's no reason for being nosy. It's just a childhood, curiosity, nosy thing. And we don't have nosy people in here, right? We have people that are pat each other on the back, and you can do it. I don't know what's going on with you. And that's another thing people do. Curious, nosy. They'll go up to them and say, Kim, I see you're a little depressed today. What, what's wrong, sweetheart? I've been praying for you. What's wrong? Tell me what's wrong. Oh, well, she did do that, didn't she? She failed that test, didn't she? Oh, I'm so sorry. Then they'll go over here and her and say, you know what, we need to pray for Kim because Ramsey's failing in school. And then they'll go to this one and she'll say, you know what, let's, let's get a prayer group together and let's pray for Kim because Ramsey's pra- uh, she's failing in school. All under the guise of prayer. All under the guise of nosy. It ain't prayer. You don't have to know what's going on with somebody to pray for them you got the Holy Ghost in you. And if you pick up something in your heart, oh, I have prayed for all magnitudes of you guys in here. Lay up half the night sometime and pray for you. You don't know it. I don't call you on the phone and say, I spent half the night praying for you. What's going on with you? If it works out and I don't get a call that there's a problem, I know it worked out. You know? You don't have to know. You don't have to know what's going on with everybody to pray for them. It's the unspiritual one that will go to people and they'll say, God tells me, Fred, you have a problem. What is your problem? <laughs> well, if God told you he had a problem, guess what? He'd tell you what he was if he wanted you to know. If he didn't tell you what he was, guess what? he doesn't want you to know, Mr. Nosy Nellie. <laughs> you know Nellie Olson? You know, that's the way she always was. Nobody wants to be a Nellie Olson, do they? No, nosy Nellie. So, if you need to pray about somebody or for them, do it. Don't hesitate. But don't go up to them and say, I've been praying for you. So what? You should be praying for people. It's like, you know, I run on my treadmill every day. I I run on my treadmill every day. I don't get up and tell everybody when I get to work, I ran today. You know what? I ran. I ran. Why? Because it's routine to me. It's a normal thing. It's something I do every single day. I got up and went to work today. I don't tell everybody, I got up and went to work today. Well, it's Sunday and I went to church today. What does that say? That you rarely go to church, but you went today. (laughs) Right? You know? We got up and went to church today. You You don't broadcast it to people. At work tomorrow, you went to church yesterday do you? It's just part of your life. Well, that's the way praying for people should be. You don't have to be nosy to pray for people. It should just be part of your life. Every day, every person in this room should get somebody on their heart if they're being led by God at all and God would quicken them. And Just the other day, Nancy went to the hospital to check on somebody and she said, she was upset. She said, Mrs. Moore, I prayed for him. I woke up and prayed for him the other night. You know, well, she didn't tell anybody till the situation arose and he got out of the hospital and miracles happened. That's when you, you know that you're availing much. You don't have to tell anybody. Okay? Let's go on real quickly here. The next thing is they're talkative. Kids are very, very talkative. Mostly about what? selves. They're mostly talkative about what toys they have, what they do. Like sometimes we'll have them tell in the back, what did you do this weekend? Did you have a fun time? You know, and half the time some of them will make up stories and they'll lie. You know, like um, they'll say, this one little boy, I remember specifically, this one little boy told him in one of the classrooms, he said, I I went fishing. He said, and I caught a fish. And he was so excited, I went fishing and I caught a fish. Well, this little girl says, well, so what? Me and my friend, um, we went over to my other friend's house and swam in their swimming pool all day long. And uh, we had hamburgers and hot dogs and none of it happened. But that's the way kids are. They're always trying. And most of the time when kids are talking too much, what are they doing? exaggerating or lying or trying to impress people with what they got, what they've done, what they can do, what they can't do. That's children. But we're all adults in here. We're all, we're going to get to the manhood one. Y'all hang on, hang on with me, all right? (laughs) All right, so uh, I'm trying to move too fast again. Um, Y'all take your watches off, and then we won't even tell Keith what time we went to. They're talkative. They're talkative about themselves. You can be in a conversation with them for five minutes and you already know more about them than you want to know. <laughs> they never walk up to you and say, What's going on with you? Y'all doing okay? They always want to tell you what's going on with them and the t- trials and tests that they've been through this week. But what they don't know, but just because you don't say anything about yours because you're more mature, doesn't mean you don't have them. So be careful. People are going to peg you, especially after today. <laughs> you go talking to them about yourself or about your kids and your grandkids and your this and you're that and all about you and how wonderful you are and how wonderful your house is and how wonderful your car is and, and um, I mean... How you learned how to clean the toilet. I mean, if you're constantly talking about yourself, people are going to look at you and say, Child. They may not say it out loud, but up here now, after today, they're going to say, Child. And they're going to have you pegged. So retrain your mouth. Begin to be more concerned about other people than you are yourself. Think about them. Take them to lunch today. Buy their lunch. Don't try to impress people. Just be impressive. Don't always try to tell people what you have, what you can do. We get people all the time, almost every day, that tell us what their gifts are in God. They're a prophet. They're an evangelist. They have visions. They have word of knowledge. Why do they tell us that? They get songs. They want to give Keith their songs so he'll record them. Are they telling us that to bless us? They're telling us that to be impressed with them and their spirituality. 99.999% of the time, what do I do in this church? Sit right there on that chair. Right? I don't get up here every service and tell you, you know what? I had my first word of knowledge in 1981, and since then, the Lord has been giving me word of knowledge, and I can tell you what's going on with you, and I can tell you what's going on with you, and you don't have the money to pay your bills this week, and um, you got that hernia that we really need to deal with, and but don't mean I don't know it. My job, 98% of the time in a service is to help Keith and to be hooked with him and be believing with him and be expecting that he says exactly what the Lord wants him to say in the manner that he wants him to say it. And then deal with everything else that's going on with the kids and deal with everything else that's going on with this problem in the car- parking lot and this person just broke into this car. Or this, you, you understand what I'm saying. But I don't get up here and every week and tell you all the things that's going on. It's unnecessary. Don't talk about yourself. The biggest thing that you can do to impress people is you care about them. That will impress people. Because there's so few and far between people that actually, genuinely care about what you're saying or if something's going on with you. They're more interested in their self. They're more interested in what they want, what they need, those kind of things. So you be the exception to the rule and jump up out of the childhood state and move into the manhood state. Ready for manhood, 1 Corinthians. Keith won't be disappointed that I let y'all out early. (laughs) Wouldn't want to break tradition or anything. 1 Corinthians 2. Verse 14. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are not spiritually discerned. The first thing with the manhood state is you begin to esteem earthly things lightly. Do you know what I mean by that? I'll explain it. You begin to esteem the things of God more important than the things of the earth. You begin to realize life is short. And you know what? We're all going to get to heaven one day. And um, you know how much, you know me after what I just said. I think everybody should work. But your work is not the most important thing. It's what you're doing for God. Now, if you're at work every day and you're ministering, doing exactly what the Lord told you to do, then you're right in his perfect will. When you get to the throne and he says, what did you do for me while you was down there? Well, I hauled gravel every day in a truck. Good. You did just exactly what I told you to do. But if he told you to do that and be an usher, and you didn't. If he told you to do that, and minister to the sick at your workplace, and you didn't. If he told you to do that, and and get a good job, and give to missions, and you didn't. You begin to esteem the things of God, more importantly than the things of the world. That's a manhood Christian. That's a Christian that has matured to the level that they understand that this life is just a vapor. It's going to be here for a little while, then it's going to be gone. And what's going to matter is what you accomplish for the Lord. What's going to matter is if you did what the Lord asked you to do. So many times in situations, every person in this room, myself included, are busy. He says, don't use the B word. But you understand what I'm saying. I mean, if you just looked at your day, you know, you're, you're meeting yourself coming back sometime. But look at that day in the perspective of... What did I do for God today? That's a manhood Christian. That's a person that is more mature in the Lord than the baby that's touchy and selfish because it didn't get its way. Could care less about getting its way. It's more interested in other people. They esteem the things of God more highly than the things of the earth. They're God conscious, number two. Baby Christians are self-conscious. They always think about what others think about them. That's a baby Christian. You're constantly concerned about, Jim's concerned about what Laura thinks about him. He's really concerned that if he wears that outfit, it might not look nice. He's really concerned about what they're going to think about him. Or he's really concerned that, you know, um, we're not going to be friends with him if he raises his hands and worships and praises God because he looks funny when he does it. More concerned about what people think about you than what God thinks about you. Baby Christians are self-conscious. They think about their self all the time and what other people think about them. Mature adults in the manhood stage of Christianity think about what God thinks about what they're doing. If God says in the middle of the service, worship me, then it don't matter what Susie thinks about you. What does God think about you? What does he think? What's going to matter when you stand before the throne and you look up and God says, why didn't you worship that day in that service when I had everybody else worshiping? Maggie says, because nobody else around me was, and I would look funny doing it by myself. What do you, what do you think God's going to say, baby? You know we're going to rule and reign in heaven. What does that mean, rule and reign? What are we going to rule over? Well, we're going to reign over. Is it going to matter what you did down here? Is it going to matter if when you get to heaven, you're still touchy and selfish? Is it going to matter what stage of maturity you're at? I know, Brother Hagen. today, I can guarantee you that is one man that's not touchy and selfish. And I guarantee you he is going to rule and reign. Because it didn't matter how he felt or what nobody else said about him or if he had the money to do it or not the money to do it. He did what God told him to do. Now, that's a mature Christian. He didn't care what anybody thought about him teaching healing. He was teaching healing when nobody believed in healing. He was teaching being filled with the Spirit when nobody was being filled with the Spirit. And he didn't care what nobody thought about him. What about you? You're around some people, and they start talking down things of the church, or they start talking about down healing, or they start talking about speaking in tongues. Are you going to care more about what that sinner thinks? Or what God thinks? It's real easy to answer now, and there's a lot of quietness in here. But this is the manhood state. This is. Most people are either in the baby state... Or the childhood state. Most people. But not us. We're going to be in the manhood state. God is growing us up speedily. And we're going to care more about the things of God than we do what any person here on this earth thinks. They're not our judge. We're not going to stand before them at the great white throne and answer to them. We're not. We're going to answer to God. And Him alone. So baby Christians are self-conscious. Mature manhood Christians are what? God-conscious. Everybody say that with me. Baby Christians are selfish and self-conscious. Manhood Christians are God-conscious and concerned about the Word and what God thinks. And finally, last but not least is mature manhood Christians can recognize God in situations. They can recognize God at work in situations. They see something happening and they recognize God did that for them. It wasn't luck. It wasn't consequence. It was God. Your bills got paid. Well, I just worked extra. Mm -mm. God gave you the opportunity to work extra. Well, I just got healed because I took that medicine. Well, maybe God led you to that doctor to give you that medicine so that you could get healed. Mature Christians recognize God at work in their lives. And not only do they recognize Him, they thank Him. And they praise Him for everything that's good in their life. And every person in this room should be on their feet first thing in the morning thanking God that they woke up, that they've got breath to breathe, that they've got their right mind, and that their hair is going to do good today. Hey, if my hair does good, I guarantee you it's God. Because I tell you what, sometimes I feel like it gives me fits. But I recognize, I do, I pray. God help me with my hair. God help me with my makeup. God help me get this done. God constantly pray without ceasing. Constantly. And I recognize when God does something. I recognize when God opens a door for me. I recognize when God helps one of my friends. I recognize when God deals with me. uh, That's not just a natural thing to pray for that person. Or I recognize when he gives me an answer to somebody's situation. I don't take the credit for it. You ain't smart enough to come up with the answer. No matter what you think. If you get a bright idea, guess whose bright idea it was? It was God's. If you get a revelation, guess whose revelation it was? God's. And it takes a mature manhood Christian to realize that stand up with me on your feet and let's thank him that we are coming from the babyhood state we're not going to stay in the babyhood state let me read them to you again and 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 locate yourself don't be proud god resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble recognize yourself this morning don't tell a soul y'all wait just a minute on leaving we're gonna be out in about one minute please i mean that's really not recognizing god in a situation and babyhood state to leave church before it's over i'll just tell you so um, y'all i'll probably get some letters about that but that's the way it is still babies are teachable but they're gullible but they're touchy but they're selfish recognize yourself have you been in any of those things change them. Don't tell anybody. Just change it. Children are unsteady. They're unreliable. They're impressionable. They're curious or nosy. They're talkative, most always about their self. Recognize yourself. Locate yourself. And manhood. You esteem the things of God more important than the things of man. You're God conscious and not man conscious. And you recognize God in situations. Locate yourself. We all, me, myself included, most people are a little bit in each one of the stages. But wouldn't it be good just to be totally in that manhood stage? Never give a flip about what somebody else thinks. That'd be just great, wouldn't it? Never care whether they thought you looked good or you didn't. It'd be just great. But we're growing. And we're going to ask God to help us grow and take that step. It's just like taking steps on a ladder. Just don't turn back. Take that step and commit in your heart you're not going backwards. Let's do it today. Father, in Jesus' name, you know our hearts in here this morning. And Father, we just ask you to bring us up to that next level of spirituality, Father. You said you were growing us up speedily will help each and every one of us, myself included in this room today, to put off those things that are baby-like. Put off those things that are childlike, And step into the things that are God-like. Lord, I just ask you that your grace and your anointing be on each and every person in this room to take those steps and not turn back no matter what the devil says or does, but to take those steps and to go forward and do the things that you've called them to do. And I ask you that that anointing is working and penetrating into their hearts, Father. And the words that they've heard today will not return void. But when those situations arise in their life, they'll recognize them now. And they'll say, you know what? I've been a baby about that. And change it. And I thank you for doing that for them. And Satan, you're bound concerning each and every person in this room, their thought life their finances, their healing. We just thank you, Lord, that you're working on each and every one of their behalves and breaking free any financial status that they need now in Jesus' name. Breaking forth any healings that they need or any wisdom that they need, that they'll never be the same again after today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated for just a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you guys for being patient and kind this morning. I told somebody we've got some guests in from out of town this morning, and they said, are you scared? I said, no. I said, those people in that church, they'd love me no matter what. I said, what would there be to be scared about? You know, they're so sweet to me. I said, they know I'm God's favorite. They just want to get close to me because I'm his favorite. No, hallelujah. Maybe you were here this morning. And you don't fit into any one of those categories. Maybe you were here this morning and you're not a baby Christian. You're not a child Christian and you're not a manhood Christian. Or maybe you thought you were a Christian and you weren't. Bow your heads in here this morning for me, please. And reverence God and recognize God in these situations. And Lord, we just ask you, if those people are in here this morning and they're not a baby and they're not a child, And they're definitely not in the manhood state, but they're still searching for you. We lift them up to you this morning, Lord, and we ask you to draw them nigh because you said no man could come unto me unless I draw them. So we ask you now, Father, to pull on those heartstrings and pull and tug on them now, Father, so that they would know that they can't, can't even go before the throne without making you Lord of their life. We just ask you for those people to come forward this morning father and we just ask you now father if there are those in here this morning and they were in the babyhood state and they did make you lord of their lives but because of people telling them wrong things swaying them because of being babies they were impressionable and went off in the other direction I ask you to draw them back in this morning father and give them the grace and the strength to be able to receive you again this morning And Lord, if there's those in here this morning that know you, but have not yet been filled with your Spirit, that is the thing that will help them mature from babyhood to childhood to manhood. Because it will check them and it will alert them in their hearts and in their lives. And praying in tongues will build them up on your most holy faith. So we ask you for them this morning, Father. We lift them up to you this morning. And we thank you for drawing them this morning. Now, if I was praying for you this morning... And you have not ever made Jesus the Lord of your life. You're not in the babyhood state. You're not in the childhood state. You're definitely not in the manhood state. And you want to accept him as your personal savior. So that you can begin to overcome in those areas. Would you please raise your hand this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't be ashamed. Every person in this room that has met the Lord had to walk the aisle at some point in their life. They had to accept Jesus as their personal Savior at some point in their lives. And the devil will try his best to convince you that living for God is no fun. Well, I beg to differ. Living for the devil is no fun. You're sick and broke all the most miserable days of your life. But living for God is the most fun you could ever have. So if you are not saved this morning, if you would, please raise your hand. If you have been saved, but you've been swayed by wrong people and pulled off course, and you want to come back to the Lord this morning, would you please raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, if you have been saved and you feel like when you were a baby, don't be ashamed of it because that's the devil's number one ploy with baby Christians is to pull them off before they can do anything for him. If that's you and you got off course, we want to hook up with you and strengthen you to not have have that happen again. So please raise your hand. Several in here already have. Yes, thank you. Or if I was talking about you... And you are not filled with the Spirit yet, the thing that will help you to mature quickly, and you would like to be filled this morning, please raise your hand. Speaking in tongues is wonderful, it'll be the thing that gets you over through those tests and trials. The more you pray in tongues, the easier they are to overcome. If that's you, please raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, everybody stand up then this morning. Make it a little easier. That person, two people close to the back, if you raised your hands, would you please come down here to the front? We want to pray with you. We want to do just exactly like what we said we were going to do. We are going to pray with you. If you you would, please don't let the devil talk you out of it. There was a couple of people that raised their hands. Don't let him talk you out of it. If somebody's standing there beside them and they know that they raised their hand, you can come down here with them. Make it a little easier on them. Join hands, wrap around them, and come on down. Thank you, Lord. All right, well, let's just do this this way this morning then. And whoever you are, check with any one of these guys in a blue coat. They're all spirit-filled. Love the Lord. We'll help you any way that they can. If you have a question or you just want somebody to love on you, check with them. Them or their spouse will be glad to do that for you. So let's just bow our heads just a minute and pray over these people. And if you've already said this before, say it again to make it easier on these other people. Father God, God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for for sending him to the earth for me. That he paid the price for me. That I could be saved. And healed. And prosperous. Thank you for doing that for me. And I accept him. as Lord of my life life. never to be the same again again. in Jesus name amen Amen. so if that was you please do that well I don't know if you liked what I taught on this morning or not but I want us to grow up and if a parent loves you they're going to care whether you grow up right or not and um, I love you if you don't know it we love each and every one of you in here